Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. So wonderful to welcome you to Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here. And man, it's just been a great morning. I heard a guy in the hall on my way in. It was kind of behind me. And he said, this is the best part of my week. You know, and I just resonate. I was like, I was like, I was feeling it, brother. And then I turned around. And I realized he was getting his donut. Uh, but I also, I was still like, I was still like, I'm feeling you, bro. Because um, I don't know, man. You know, I've done this a lot of times, but I need this. You know, it's the best part of my week. And so we're so glad that you are here today. Uh, We welcome you. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Pastor Jacob. Uh, And we're so glad that uh, you're here today celebrating, uh, hopefully, with the Father. I also know that that, um, these days like this, for some of us, can really hurt that we carry grief. And my family, this is our first Father's Day uh, without my mom's dad. And and so I know that, that for, for many of you, you're holding in your heart a dad, a grief. Um, so just know that you can bring all that, you know, you can bring all that here. We're glad um, that you are here. I, I want to, we don't normally do this, but I just want to recognize one of my dearest friends, Pastor Phil Wilson. He's a pastor of the Bridge Fellowship, and he's uh, down here just worshiping with us today. He's on vacation. We're, we're best buds. Uh, we walk this journey together, and I just wanted to say thank you, Phil, for being here. We thank God for the witness of the Bridge Fellowship. Uh, in our community. We're a community where the churches love each other, uh, where we take care of each other, where we look after each other. I, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Phil, since then, but when our church was meeting at Stoner Creek Elementary, the bridge was in West Wilson Middle School, and they moved out into their new uh, beautiful building up on uh, 109, near 109. And Phil was the one who allowed Providence to be the church. He spoke to the principal because it's hard to get into these schools, and he'd been there a long time, and he said, these folks are good people. You can let them come. And the principal told me, I would not let you be coming here except Phil told me. And you all know that when our church got there, um, God did an amazing work, right? And so this man has a kingdom vision. And so can we just welcome Pastor Phil and give thanks to him? Um, and... And you're, you're going to understand how this fits. But I'm going to ask Rachel, Tevin, we're going to do that mic over here on the corner. Rachel's just going to say a prayer for Phil and Shara and the, the Bridge Fellowship, just to honor and give thanks for y'all's witness here. Church, let's extend our hands just a way of blessing our brothers and sisters. God, we give you thanks for the community of believers. As we're going to say in our creed this morning, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the universal church that you in your Holy Spirit are at work in these local bodies of Christ all throughout Wilson County, all throughout the world. And we recognize the fruit of your spirit in Phil's life and his church and his family's life. And so we lift them up to you, God. We pray that during these weeks of vacation that you will give Phil rest and um, encouragement, restore him for the work that you still have for him. Um, we give you praise for the faithful witness of the Bridge Fellowship, the way that they serve, the way that they lift up the name of Jesus. And we just pray that you would continue to strengthen their church to do faithful work in this community, that you would um, give them encouragement, give them unity, give them all the blessing that comes from being your people. We thank you for Phil. We thank you for his kindness to us Mm -hmm. as a family and to this church family that we have that fellowship of believers that comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
Awesome. Hey, I wanted to welcome our online folks. We have a bunch of people joining us live in this service. So two weeks ago when we started this series, we had 1,500 people that joined us online. So I just want you to know and hold in your hearts that we have uh, a bigger church uh, of people that are, that are looking to connect with Jesus. So we're so glad that y'all are joining us in on this. And I want to invite everybody, uh, if, you, if you want to, to say this statement of belief that we've been looking at this summer. It's called the Apostles' Creed. Let's say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Again, as we uh, say our belief in the Holy Catholic Church, uh, I've had some of our you know, Catholic brothers and sisters who are here, they're like, yes, sir, you know, got you right here. It's not that. And I've had some of y'all who aren't Catholic be like, what are we talking about? So that word just means universal. That we're just what we were talking about and praying for Phil and him praying for us and us being connected to others. We're, we're believing in a bigger, bigger thing. Um, I want to talk to you today about this sort of common human thing that happens, and that is that we feel alone. I think that everybody at some point feels alone. Every human encounters suffering and feels far away from other people. There's just something about suffering that feels lonely, and there's something about life that can feel lonely. And so if you experience depression, you know that in depression, there's this just sort of unique, special feeling of feeling so far away from everybody else while you're in darkness. If you experience anxiety like I do, um, there's just this special gift anxiety gives that it's like you're isolated from everybody else. There can be people all around you, and yet you can feel that way. Grief, uh, grief has... um, has, you know, you have folks around you, family around you, and you feel like this is mine. Uh, I, was, I uh, helped perform a funeral on Friday for one of our dear church members, a guy who had loved his family well and, and um, been married a long time, and it was a military um, honors. And they played uh, taps, you know, they took the flag, they handed it to his widow, they knelt down, they thanked her for his service to the country and what he had contributed in his life. It was this beautiful moment. Her family was all there, and she came up to me afterwards, and she said, Pastor, I feel so lonely. Um, when Rachel and I lost a loved one to suicide, there was this loneliness, you know. Even though we were together, there's this parts of us where we would feel like, is this mine to carry? Is this just mine? Is it just mine to figure out? Well, in the beginning... When God created the heavens and the earth, he placed his first human creations, Adam and Eve, in a garden. And the garden was called Eden. And the word Eden just means pleasure or place of pleasure. Uh, We translate it as paradise. And in this garden, the paradise was that there was this connection and companionship with God that the people were not alone. Listen to this verse from Genesis 3. It says, Then the man and his wife 
heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, people have marveled at this verse, you know, for, two, for thousands and thousands of years. And you see what it's saying, right? God went on cool afternoon walks in paradise looking to hang out with his people. Just this image of God's like, this afternoon, I'm going to go for a stroll and I'll go and see what Adam and Eve are doing. The maker of heaven and earth encountering and being in a relationship with this creation. But the story of the garden, the reason we talk about the garden, the story of the garden is that the garden is gone. The garden's gone. Where's the garden? The garden is lost. The people, Adam, Adam, which means human or man, and Eve, her name means living or through whom living will come, were expelled from the garden because of their sin. And pain was instituted and difficult work and toil began. And humans experienced for the first time the painful blow of feeling alone, alone in their suffering isolated in their cycles of grief. You know, shame said, hello. Guilt became this best bud that just saddled up right next to them. And they experienced grief. The first family experienced the loss of their youngest son to the hands of their oldest son. And they had grief. And do you know what they had to do? They had to go on. They had to keep going, just like we do. Except there was no garden. There was no paradise. And there were no afternoon walks with the maker And if any part of you today, my friends, if any part of you today feels alone, if any part of you feels the ache that is common to the human experience, the ache that there are some things that need to be fulfilled that are still yet unfulfilled, if any of you feel that, I have something to tell you. (laughs) And it's this, the maker of heaven and earth, who we know as the Father Almighty, The maker saw the brokenness, saw the loneliness, and the maker of humans became human. And God felt like, God knew what it felt like to be human, which means he knows what it feels like to be broken. And God felt like what it felt like to be betrayed. And God felt like what it felt to lose a son. And the apostles said it like this as they began to gather up all their their statements. They said it like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. These lines begin to unravel the greatest mystery and the greatest power that any human could ever know. God, who made it all, sent his Son through a miraculous way, yes, but also a normal way. You heard it. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's a God thing. But he was also conceived just like we were. You know, he, he uh, was born of the, a Virgin Mary, which is crazy, right? Born of a virgin. None of us have done that. But he was born of a woman, just like we were. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, a real person in a real time. The name of his judge and, es- and executor gives us the historicity and the reality of this person that walked the earth. He had a very real suffering. He really was beat to a pulp. He really was nailed to a cross. He really did die, just like we're going to die. And he really was buried, buried in a rich man's grave. Jesus was the Son of God, so fully God, you know, the virgin birth and, and a conception of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't hanging out with the Maker when everything happened. He was the Maker, fully God, but he was also fully human. Not part human, not half human, not a little bit human. He felt it 
all. And so I want to share with you guys a couple of theological terms so uh, you can take a nap for a few moments. But just as we're teaching through this ancient statement, I want you to have some of these handholds that have been passed down to us. So there are a couple of terms that talk about this mystery of Jesus being fully God and fully human. The first one is the incarnation. Okay? The incarnation just means that God became flesh and dwelled among us. God, the maker, became human in human flesh and then came and lived where we lived. The other one is the hypostatic union. Okay? You never need to remember this. I just want you to, to see it for a moment. And the hypostatic union was something that people lost their lives over. That's why I'm telling you about this phrase. Because the early Christians had to, had to figure out and some of them had to say and be willing to die to say, yes, Jesus was all the way God. And Jesus was all the way human. Hypostatic union just means that there's one existence of God and humans coming together. And next week we're going to talk about fully God and explore some of these things like resurrection and ascension and seated at the right hand of God. Those are fully God kind of things, resurrection, ascension, right? But today I want to talk to you, and I think this is why I'm a preacher, okay, what I'm about to tell you about. I think it's why I'm a preacher, to be able to tell people that God became flesh like us, that he was fully human, that Jesus had real hunger and real thirst, and he sneezed, and he laughed so hard his belly hurt, and he craved his mama's Passover bread, and he felt kind of disjointed when he was a teenager at times, and he stubbed his toe, and he had his feelings hurt, and he knew real grief, like the loss of loved one grief, and he knew real abandonment and felt afraid. And that sounds scandalous to talk about God that way. And we have to wonder, to, you know, we have to marvel, right, at God. To what extent would God go to rescue the ones who had been expelled from the garden? To what extent would he go? Say that question with me. To what extent would he go? The farthest extent. The farthest extent, how far would he go? He would send his son in flesh among us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loved the world so much he did this. And I'm not going to use the word incarnation or hypostatic union ever again, okay? <laughs> but what I want to call this is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel that has been given to us through his son. It's the good news for lonely people who suffer on earth and wonder, is God going to ever come stroll by me in the afternoon? Is God going to ever come meet me after I've done the thing I said I wouldn't do? Is God going to come walking through and I'll hear the sound of his footsteps when I know that I've chosen the thing that I shouldn't choose? Some of y'all know, a bunch of y'all know, I went through a scary medical uh, event last summer, almost a year ago. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I almost died almost a year ago. Thank you, Jesus. I had a seizure. I fell on the floor. The paramedics rolled me out my front door. I never imagined anything like that would happen in my house. And I missed a bunch of work, and y'all were so patient and gracious with me. And for those days, um, I don't think I've told y'all this, for those days, I felt really lonely. And there were people all around me. 
My girls never left my side. Pastor Phil was calling me, leaving me messages. You guys were showing up at my house. Y'all brought me food. I remember standing, holding myself on the counter when y'all would bring pies in, and it was wonderful. But I felt alone because so much had been pulled away from me, and so many things that I was used to and used to getting my meaning and value from were no longer around. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way. And my dad started a tradition in those days. My dad lives next door to me. And in the hot summer afternoons, he would drive down my long gravel driveway, and I would see his truck out there, and I would walk up out, and he would pick me up. I couldn't drive. And he would drive me down to uh, Just Love Cafe, and we'd go through the drive-through, and I would get a decaf latte, and Dad would get one too. I couldn't drink caffeine. It, they were, these were dark days, okay? <laughs> these were dark days. And my dad would drive me around for an hour. And I always wanted to come by the church. I just wanted to see the church. We'd just drive up to the church. Because I couldn't go to church. And he'd drive me around these roads where I grew up. And here's how I would feel. Not alone. Not alone. And I remember one day, dad was dropping me off at the house. You know, I'm 40 years old. My dad's driving me around and taking me through drive throughs okay? It's a lot to take in. And my dad's dropping me off, and I thanked him. I said, thank you, dad, for taking me out to get coffee. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know what, Jacob? We can do this even after you're better. And in that moment, God spoke to me. It was one of the moments in a dark season where I heard the voice of God. I was walking back to the house, and I just felt God speaking right to my heart. And he said that. God said it through a really cool guy in a Toyota Tundra, right? My dad, you know, he's got flesh on. But I heard God say, and what I heard God say to me is, I want to be with you, Jacob. I want to be with you in this. I am with you in your suffering. But I also heard God saying, but not just in your lowest point. Will you remember me on the other side of this? God in creation, was an afternoon drive kind of Father Almighty. That's how much he loves us. And there's no amount of suffering that you can go through. And there's no amount of sin that you can sin. And there's no amount of you choosing another way. And there's no amount of time that you're doing it that can hold back the intent of God's will for you. To what extent will he go? The farthest extent. He will become acquainted with us, acquainted with our grief and meet us where we're at. Isaiah wrote a prophecy some years, 700 years before Jesus. And he's talking about the Messiah. And he says the Messiah will be a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. The good news, guys, the good news is Jesus understands our bad news. The good news is Jesus understands our bad news intimately. He's experienced it, every inch of it, and he's got it. 
You know, uh, Christians, we sing a lot of songs. Uh, that was the first time we've sang that song, He Won't. Man, I love it. It spoke right to my heart. Uh, but we have in the Bible what some think is the first, or at least one of the first, the collection of one of the first hymns that the early church would sing. And the church didn't gather like this. These are people gathering in homes or, or outside, and they, they put together these hymns of praise. And these, you want to guess what the first, one of the first hymns of praise in the church was about? Hypostatic union. the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I want to read some of it to you. It's from Philippians chapter 2. And it begins by saying Jesus, so we don't have that word, but just hold that in your mind. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God. So, so Jesus was God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So we think, well, then whose advantage did he use it for? Well, it says, rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So fully God, he becomes fully human. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The one with the fully God nature became fully human, and his death on the cross was for us. He came into the world to get us back to the garden. Isaiah, I want to read to you more of that passage from Isaiah. This is 700 years before Jesus came to earth. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying about who will save them, what the Messiah will be like. And it, it says, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. Isaiah 53. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, all of us, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He'd done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan. It wasn't plan B. It wasn't an accidental thing. It wasn't something God stumbled onto. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And guys, because of his experience, Jesus' experience, the righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. At the center of the Christian belief is a cross. And yes, it is offensive. And yes, we want to turn our heads away. And yes, we don't want to read verses about him being crushed and, and punished and beaten. 
but he endured it for us. And so I will speak it. He endured it so we could be saved from being lonely even after our husband of 60 years has died. So that we could be saved from the darkness and the isolation of our depression. Saved from anxiety that keeps us up in the middle of the night. Saved from our deepest grief. Saved from our sin. Saved from our decision over and over again to choose that thing which God said not to choose. He's experienced all that we've experienced. He's fully human and he wants to come into your life. (laughs) That's what I want you to know today. It's why my heart is bursting What I don't want you to miss me saying is he will come in your life. It's not a maybe. It's not perhaps he's going to show up. He will come in your life. The hymn in Philippians begins to show us. It says one day everybody's going to face Jesus. One day everyone is going to confess his name. Every knee is going to bow. So you need to know that Jesus is going to come meet you. He's not going to force himself upon you. But what I'm saying is... um, Each of us will have a choice. Will we give our belief to this God? Each of us has a belief, has belief, mental and intellectual assent. Our hearts will, and we are being asked, will we give that to Jesus? The world will tell you that you're all about yourself, that your life is yours, that you should do with it what you please, that you should do what will give you pleasure. But that's not the truth, and that's not the gospel. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. It's important that you know what Jesus did for you. It's important that you understand the extent that he went to you because of your sin, because of your brokenness. And so I will not lie to you and tell you that your life's all about you and you get to do all the things that you want to do. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. Pleasure is found in Eden, in paradise, in the garden, in being connected to God. And what he wants to do is to redeem you, to rescue you from all that, to pull you back. And so I want to ask us today, will we come and meet with the God who comes to meet with us? The early Christians said it this way. This was how they would say yes to that. This was the confession that started the movement that spread all across the world. This is how they would say it. They would say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. That is the confession of the heart of the one who wants to give their life to the one who came and gave his life for them. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And so I'm going to invite you to say that with me, but I don't want you just to repeat it after me like we do sometimes. I I want you to take a breath, to swallow, and I want you to say it if you want to believe, if you want to meet with a God who's coming by you this afternoon. Say it with me. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Let's say it again. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord.